Today is Thursday, June 15th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The SBC makes a final call on Rick Warren's Saddleback Church and women pastors. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe. We want you here every day with us as we're going through the news of the cray. Don't forget to leave a rating and share with a friend, too. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Shoot an email. We'd love to hear from you. Joining me now, get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell. Billy, what's up on this Friday, Junior? How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm, I'm living the dream as always. <laughs> yes. Excited to be here. Yes, sir. And we got a lot coming up on the pod. You're going to be talking about um, Kirk Cameron's kind of clarion call on public schools. Yeah, you know, he's been big on, on education for a while now, homeschooling, and just really what he believes parental responsibility is when it comes to Christian kids in public schools. So a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I think parents are facing more and more questions now as we just see some of the chaos that's going on at a lot of public schools. And so there are parents reconsidering and just thinking about what to do. So we'll have that conversation there uh, in a bit here on the podcast. Also on the main thing, a doctor fired for not using hypothetical patient pronouns. Yes, that's not even a real patient, ladies and gentlemen, just (laughs) a hypothetical patient. Someone got fired over. Incredible stuff. So we'll have all that. But first, we are going to get through the news in 90 seconds. The Southern Baptist Convention has refused to welcome Saddleback Church back into the fold, rejecting uh, an appeal by the California megachurch over its uh, February ouster for having women pastors. The messengers there at the SBC, they're called delegates, essentially, at their annual meeting. It's in New Orleans, Louisiana. They also rejected a similar appeal by a smaller church in Louisville, Kentucky, which is currently being led by a woman pastor. These uh, results were announced yesterday morning. This was at the conclusion of the two-day convention. The SBC Statement of Faith says, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. And a failure of biblical proportions on Jeopardy this week. All three contestants failed to answer what most would, I would say, think is a pretty easy question about the Lord's Prayer. The clue read, Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father, which art in heaven, blank, be thy name. None of the contestants buzzed in with a response. And revival has begun. 600 plus choose Christ as 53 Oregon churches unite for a plow Outreach. You can read more about that over at cbnnews.com. Hey, Billy, I mean, regardless of the, I, we've, you've done the numbers here on the biblical knowledge and awareness of the country right now. I know those aren't good, but hey, come on. This is the Lord's Prayer here. How do you, how do you not, how does not one of them come in there with a guess at least? I mean, yeah, the fact that not one knows is is bizarre. I, I was teaching at a college and I had a student, a couple of students who didn't know what a nativity was. Like we were having a debate about nativities on courthouse yards and they were completely shocked. Like what <laughs> what's a nativity? And when people described it, still didn't understand, you know, Mary, Joseph, Jesus still were confused. So I think we are reaching that kind of bizarre point where these things are no longer common knowledge. But that prayer is so 
well known that yeah. recitation. Like it's just strange to me. You don't have to be in church circles to have heard that repeated. I mean, it's 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 in the public lexicon here. I mean, you, you should know that one. I'm I'm really especially Jeopardy types who kind of just are information sponges. They sort of absorb everything going on a little bit of everything it seems almost impossible that, that nobody would at least had a guess there um but maybe it's a good thing they didn't chime in and just try to guess because maybe wrong guesses would have been would have been even more embarrassing than the silence well maybe i mean look if you had asked them you know who are the stars of rupaul's drag race they'd probably know because that's the world we're living in now <laughs> um you know but i i think it is it is really sad actually but you know maybe too to give credit to you know, people, you get nervous and oh, maybe yeah, yeah. you get afraid. And it is a strange word. It's not a word we use every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be fair here. No, I don't, am I being is. too fair? I always give people, people always are harsh when someone makes a mistake on camera and you just don't, sometimes your mind just blanks and you're on the spot and you've got to say something. So it's, it's totally understandable um, to have a moment like that. I'm just surprised all three of them that, they all yeah. seem to have that moment. It seems like one of them might have guessed, but nevertheless. Nobody could figure it out. Nobody, nobody. could figure it out. Um, they did figure out something at SBC. Um, a lot going on there. You can check out our coverage over at CBNnews.com. But interesting, obviously, the most prominent being Saddleback Church, the mega church there in California. They were rejected, that appeal. They're not coming back over um, ha their stance on having women pastors. So interesting Interesting developments at the uh, SBC there. Yeah, definitely interesting developments. And I think it comes at a time when a lot of people aren't standing up for what they believe to be true. And so it is an interesting time. This is not going to be well received by modern culture, obviously. Right. And there's a big debate in the church over it. And so I, what I'm interested to see is how do you've had all these other splits go on in the mainline denominations, the liberal denominations, right, where people are leaving over same-sex marriage and they're leaving because they don't want their church to affirm that. Here you have a different situation. Are you going to have some churches that leave the SBC over this issue, right, on the flip side? So, um, you know, we're, we're in an era of splintering and splitting, so I'll be intrigued to see how that unfolds. Yeah, me too. Um, there, and there are a lot of other issues there, the abuse um, investigations that are ongoing there. So there, there's a lot to unpack. Again, you can check it all out over at CBNnews.com. All right, we're going to head over to the focus story now. Actor Kirk Cameron, warning against parents simply sending their kids into public schools unprepared for the hyper-secular situation they will likely encounter. So what is Kirk up to now? Yeah, you know, so we had a chance to sit down with him and, and we've talked with him a lot about this, but he basically said that a lot of Christian parents, some of them will justify, he said, tossing their children into a public school for seven hours a day, being indoctrinated to hate what the parents believe in terms of God, hate what they have been taught about America, he said, and these kids will be reprogrammed. And then he said that parents will say, well, they're in the mission field of the public school and they're justifying their apathy about their children's spiritual formation by calling them evangelists. So he's basically, I think, targeting here when parents put their kids in public schools and say, hey, it's a mission field. They, they need to go out there and share you know, the gospel with the world, that that is something that could be damaging to kids who are not prepared to obviously deal with the level of secularism. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a tough one because those same parents, I mean, all of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, and there's a few who are gifted with evangelism, 
the rest of us are kind of awkward with it at times. And it's like, but then we're expecting to send our kids off into the school and have them be little Billy Grahams all day from like fourth grade on. Uh, it just, it, could it happen? Sure. But likely to happen? No. I mean, we're seeing the results right now of when you just send your kids off um, to be basically, and they're, and they're extending the hours too. That's another thing, Billy. It's like, you, you know, your kids go earlier and earlier and earlier, and then they stay later and later and later. And so it makes the job of the parents harder to keep the message focused on from them, right? Like you, it's, yeah. they're, they're, they're gone for a large part of the day is all I'm saying. But yeah, can I, well, I was going to just throw out another side of this, right? Because I do think it is, I think it is interesting. Have we reached a point where the culture is so bad that I think that we're still talking as though we're sending kids out into a better world than what they're going to encounter in the public school. The reality is the world they're being sent out is no different from right. what. And so sure. I don't know the answer. I'm not actually pushing back on Kirk here. What I am saying is that I'm wondering if we need to reassess how we're talking about this in general, because part of the problem is that we're not equipping them to deal with any of it. Right. So right. Great, we keep them contained where they need to be and we give them everything they need to have and we don't send them to the public school, but they're going to encounter the quote unquote public school at this at point, some point. At some point. Right. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a hundred percent true. Right. So, um, but I think, I think a lot of these things go part and parcel. We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. I know there's more to get to on this story, but, but the biblical literacy is another thing. Um, a lot it's, if it's fault, if that's faltering, and then they go off into the public schools and they don't have answers to a lot of the common objections and things they're going to run into as they get older, then it becomes even more problematic. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. I want to focus here on Kirk. And what else does he think or why else does he think it's a problem to kind of toss these kids into public schools aside from the the maybe the faulty nature of the whole little evangelist idea? Yeah, I mean, I think where he's correct, especially here, is, you know, he, he had this analogy. He's like, you don't throw children onto a battlefield in Iraq. First, you must train them, equip them, show them how to use the weapons that they've been given and identify the enemy and only fight as a last resort. That's what we need to be doing. So, so it's interesting because I think the debate is, are kids equipped and prepared? Can a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 12-year-old... Right. Deal, and I don't know the answer to that. But but do they have to learn how to deal with it? Do we need to figure out how to help them do that? I don't I don't know. But but I thought that was an interesting analogy because you wouldn't send an untrained soldier into a war. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. Well, right. And, and and then the other part of that is that I, I would say as recently as even just a few years ago, they weren't really going out to a war in, in even in public school. Right? You might get some things you don't like, but generally speaking, they were sticking to education. But now. You know the the you know the A's you know, one two threes and ABCs right that's pretty much what they were sticking to now they're not and not every school is the same I'm sure some school districts do this more than others and so you'll have to judge that on your own I guess if if your kid's just getting a kind of regular education and not getting constantly indoctrinated with the quote unquote woke agenda which is talking about all this trans ideology and everything else. So it's it's very complicated because I don't think there is a one size fits all blanket solution to this because you're going to have different schools that do this to different levels. But what what does Kirk say about the responsibility he thinks parents have? Yeah, he called it a sacred trust that God has given parents to do that equipping and that preparing, right? To make sure that kids know 
when it is the last resort that they need to that they need to fight, right? That they need to push back, mm-hmm. that they know how to do it, mm-hmm. that you've trained them so that when they hit that battlefield, they're prepared to hit the ground running and not to cower, that they know really how to deal with it. And, you know, my kids are in public school and I see this already. And that's why I get very conflicted on it because I know, I know what's going on. My, my kid tells me what she's seeing and what she's experiencing. And we talk about it. Um, and I'm well aware there are a lot of people who think that I've abdicated my responsibility as a parent by, you know, keeping my kid in the school, but we haven't had most of the issues we have. And we've talked about this, they're coming from the other kids. And I think equipping them to deal with that right now, we're all talking about the teachers and this and that, that's an issue. We need to be on top of it. But in our situation, it's not the teachers, it's the other kids. And that's a yeah. whole other preparation you have to, you have to give the kids here. But so he is correct. We've, we've got to prep them. Yeah. But to your point about being conflicted on that, I mean, it's, you know, you're saying I'm, we're having a conversation like that is the key right there, right? Like if, as long as you're having those conversations and um, using these opportunities to kind of teach your kid what they're supposed to be like how we are supposed to react to these sorts of things um and it's funny because these people that are critic we homeschool so you know that's kind of where we're at on this whole thing but we're definitely teaching our kids what we believe but also how to think and what other people believe and and how to defend the things that you believe and how to ask tough questions so um you know there's this i think there's this view that oh you just send them at home and you just you shelter them and then uh, then the minute they go outside, they're going to be their world's going to be rocked, and I think that could happen. It just depends on how you do it. And you know, mine haven't gone out there yet, so who knows? I'm gonna maybe mine will go out there and they'll <laughs> fl- fumble all over the place. I have no idea. No, but no, you uh, guys are doing the right thing. You're training it, them up right. But it is tough, though. It is tough to your point. Like there is, there's a lot of um, complicating factors out there, but ne- but we do have to be the one thing that's constant right now. Clearly, is that the culture is going more aggressively off the rails here. And we got to just evaluate what we're going to do about that. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I think one thing that we can no longer do, and I feel like it was more like this for me. I I was in public school as a kid, but the public schools were very different back then. We can't pretend these issues aren't happening. We don't want to talk to our kids about all of these, all of these things. Right. But the reality is culture is talking to them about them. Whether your kids are homeschooled, private schooled in a public school, they're hearing all sorts of different things because you can't escape it. You turn on your Amazon, you know, you turn on your Alexa and suddenly you're seeing all sorts of different things. So we just need to be equipping them and talking through things that might be uncomfortable, even at an age that sometimes feels too young. Yeah. Um, You know, we got to be doing that. Yeah. I mean, you got to beat the others to the punch. And um, if you don't, then somebody else is going to get there before you. And and like you said, be speaking into to your kid before you get a chance to. So uh, certainly good food for thought there because um, it's it is getting it's getting cray out there. We don't call it the news of the cray for nothing. So I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you bringing that one, Billy. We are going to head over to the main thing now and a doctor in the U.K., Said he was fired five years ago for refusing to use a hypothetical patient's preferred pronouns. So he's continuing his battle to overturn his dismissal. Man, five years that they, he's had to fight this thing. His name's Dr. David Macarith, and he's a physician with the UK's Department for Work and Pensions. And he, he said there was no living or real patient involved when he stated it. Uh, and he said he's a Christian and can in good conscience address somebody that 
you know, is claiming to be a different gender than they actually are. So he tells his story and details this lengthy legal battle with Billy for today's main thing. So you're a doctor out in the UK, and a couple of years ago, you lost your position, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, for refusing to use a hypothetical patient's preferred pronouns. Is that accurate? This is correct. There was no living or real patient involved. I was just asked if somebody came in, uh, I was actually asked if a six foot tall bearded man came in and said, refer to me as Mrs. or she, would you do it? And I had to say, as a Christian in good conscience, I cannot do that. And so when you said you could not do that, did you assume in any world that you would be in a situation where you would end up losing your job over that statement? I I was well aware that by making that statement, I could end up losing my job, but I had to make that statement anyway. Well, and you're a Christian. Because you're a Christian, you're standing by your beliefs. I, I think what is so interesting about this particular case is that you know, you you could have lied. You could have said, I'm not going to stand by by my faith. But you simply stated, based on your sincerely held beliefs, what you believe to be true. So once you said that, what was the process? How quickly did it happen? What what sort of happened from there? Well, I, th- I think what, what we have to say is, I mean, this was five years ago, but it's, things have been moving very, very slowly since then. It's very It seems very hard to get justice in a case of this sort. But uh, the... the, the um, the, 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 the situation that occurred was that uh, they made it, this was a government department, the Department for Worker Pensions, so effectively it was the government, uh, and they made it absolutely clear that I was to use pronouns in a way that nobody had ever told me I had to use them before, uh, and that there would be consequences if I didn't use them like that. So the whole English language, somehow we were supposed to suddenly use it in a new way. So they were gentle about it. They repeatedly asked me, are you prepared to use pronouns in that way? And I repeatedly said, what my Christian conscience um, compels that I say, and that is as a Christian in good conscience, I cannot do that. It's an absolute lie to use transgender pronouns. And once once that happened, how quickly was it before you lost your position? So there was, there was this period about uh, of about th- two or three weeks, actually, um, when we were discussing things to and fro. And essentially, they said, well, since you can't do what we require of you, you're free to go. How how long had you been a doctor there? I don't. I'd actually only been working for them for two weeks, uh, but I've been a doctor for more than thirty years. Yeah. So, yes. How, so, all right. So you you it's a new job. You essentially yeah. are, are let go. How did that impact your life? Because you now you mentioned this has been five years. You have been fighting this for five years. What has yeah. been the impact during that time? Well, I think the, there's positive and negative. On the on the positive side, people said, oh, you're going to have mobs obeying um, activists outside your house and all kinds of horrible things are going to happen to you. Absolutely none of that has happened to me. Um, I'm, I'm very glad to say, uh, or to anybody else that, that, that knows me, is connected with this. So on the positive side, um, I wasn't attacked particularly. Uh, and uh, But on the negative side, at the time when I lost my job, I was staring into the financial abyss Um wondering how I'd provide for my family. I was absolutely sure I'd done the right thing. I've, I've no doubts whatsoever I did the right thing. But but um, there was there was definitely that situation where I did not know what was going to happen. Now, as a Christian, of course, I trust God, and God helped us in that situation. So uh, without me prompting, a previous employer got in touch with me after about a month and said, we'd like you back. And I was so thankful when that happened. That was just amazing. 
So uh, I was able to return to medicine and work in medicine again, but I had no promise of being able to do that when I um, took the stand that I did. Um, it was costly. Yeah. Well, it is costly, and it's costly for you to be talking about it right now. And I think that's the other part of this that is sometimes hard for people to understand because you could have just been let go. You went and you thank, thankfully were able to get another job. You were able to go back. And you could have stayed silent. What has sparked your willingness to be so open and not just be open, but to challenge this, to argue that this should not have happened and that you should be you should be allowed to be reinstated to that position? Um, well, at, at the beginning, I realized that what had happened to me was rather important and it affected freedom of speech. It's uh, freedom from forced speech. I said to myself that this affects every single person. So, so it seemed the right thing to take it up. And of course, Christian Concern and the Christian Legal Center have been helping me with this battle right the way through. Uh, we've been working shoulder to shoulder together on this. But more recently, when we now see what's happening to children in schools, when little girls here in the United Kingdom can be told you might be a boy, or little boys are told you could become a girl. And I felt, as a doctor, I felt that the teachers should never be saying that to children. But because the medical profession has remained silent, largely remained silent, there's this kind of complicitness. Uh, and I felt actually, I actually felt ashamed of the medical profession for being so silent when children are definitely being harmed, I believe, in our schools. Um, I was also very much challenged in the last couple of months by the situation with Joshua Sutcliffe, who is a Christian teacher. Um, his records show that he's an excellent teacher, but he lost his job. He was struck off from the teaching profession on the off chance that in, within a two and a half year period, he might have used the, a wrong pronoun according to the uh, Teaching Regulation Authority, on at least one occasion. So on the possibility he might have used a wrong pronoun once in two and a half years, he was struck off. As a doctor, I felt very, very grieved at that. And I felt, again, that our profession are responsible for that because we know very well that a person cannot change sex. It's just that we choose to go with a political flow and not to stand up for the obvious truth. I mean, would there be any world in which somebody in your position would have critiqued Christianity, let's say, and would have been let go from their position just for critiquing Christianity? Is that something that would have ever happened? That that, that won't happen. Uh, it, it's um, Everybody critiques Christianity, and sometimes they're quite vocal about it. There's no, there's no comeback. If there are certain things you can critique, which you will not get away with, but Christianity, everybody critiques. Those are the days we're living in. As a Christian, I feel very sad about that, but I hope by God's grace to be a testimony and a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he sends me. Well, and, and that's, you know, I'm not advocating that people should get punished for criticizing Christianity. I think it's just interesting when you juxtapose the issues, right? If you're if you're going to have free speech, you need to have free speech. If you're not going to have free speech, well, you should at least be consistent in not having free speech, right? It seems like we're picking and choosing as cultures and societies right now, who's going to be protected and who is not. Now, you appealed first to the Employment Appeal Tribunal. What happened with that first appeal? So uh, thank you. for that. First, first of all, I, I agree. I don't think that anybody should be censored if they want to criticize Christianity, but I think that we should be allowed to respond and reply and defend ourselves uh, as, as we try to. Uh, uh, but uh, so the first employment tribunal, uh, the outcome was um, uh, quite devastating, really. Uh, the judges ruled that uh, my beliefs as a Christian were uh, akin to the, they made a ruling which which would have put my beliefs as a Christian on a level with Nazism. 
and they said that not to believe transgender ideology was uh, was um, not acceptable, implying that not just me, but every single human being in the United Kingdom was obliged by law to believe transgender ideology. I think that was a foolish ruling myself. Uh, it obviously was. Uh, and also that uh, that my beliefs were incompatible with human dignity. I mean, this is historical Christianity that these judges were ruling on. Um so that was so the first tribunal basically branded me as as akin to a Nazi and having beliefs Christian beliefs which were not compatible with human dignity. I, I felt really really sad about that. Well, I mean, it is interesting to me that somebody who has purportedly been fired over standing by their Christian views would be. I mean, it, what they're accusing you of there, it seems like that's what happened to you, right? Your Christian views were the problem for them because you weren't able to do something they wanted you to do. And so they then terminated you. Now, you lost that, but you are appealing now to the European Court of Human Rights. And talk a little bit about that challenge. Why did you choose to not give up? Because again, you could have given up, you could have gone silent, you chose to continue that fight. Okay, so so there was a second court hearing. I just need to mention that, and the second in the second court hearing, a slightly higher court, uh, it was ruled that actually my views are acceptable. They're, it's acceptable to have Christian views, and that these are not akin to Nazism. So I was very glad that the court ruled that, having spent three years being branded in a particular way for no good reason. And um, but they also said, and this is really important, there is there is a an Equalities Act that we have in the United Kingdom here, um, which is designed to defend everybody from um, unfair criticism or abuse. Uh, and so what the court basically said was that Christians are not protected under the Equalities Act. Now, I was absolutely aghast at this uh, because uh, if anybody's not protected by the Equalities Act, you can put the Equalities Act in the bin. If no, somebody isn't protected, nobody's protected. But here they were saying that Christians aren't protected. And for me, that put a great big target on the back of every Christian working in hospitals. I was very sad about that as well. We wanted to appeal again, but the appeal was turned down on the grounds that because I refuse to use transgender pronouns, I've got no case, which is ridiculous because the whole court case is supposed to decide whether the law says I have to or not. So I'm I'm disillusioned with the legal system, but my wonderful team at the Christian Medical, uh, not the Christian Medical Fellowship, the, the Christian Legal Centre, that wonderful team at the Christian Legal Centre said we'll take it to the European Court of Human Rights, which I'm thrilled to do. It's really, really important that, that we fight this. So we're going there, the same thing in mind. We want to know whether the, um, the Equalities Act protects Christians. We want to know whether we are free from compelled speech. Uh, and, and we want vindication. We want them to say that there was nothing wrong in saying that I'm sorry, but because of my Christian convictions, I cannot use the English language in that way. And, and I also I believe passionately that Christians have to stand up, not just me, but all Christians have to stand up and speak out. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. These stories are, I mean, troubling. Every time I hear them, it's it's amazing how many of them there are. But uh, yeah. it is, I mean, it's good to let these voices be heard because um, this, this this kind of stuff shouldn't be happening to anybody. So appreciate you. Appreciate you bringing that one. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24, which says, do you not know? That in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. So great section there in First Corinthians and um, just kind of reminding us that, hey, like, let's exercise self-control in all things. Um, let's not run aimlessly and not box as one beating the air. 
And so uh, just a good reminder here, heading, heading towards the end of the week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being devout and being consistent in that throughout our lives. It's easy to fall off that off the trail, you know, but we got to stay on it. Yes. I mean, we're, we're halfway through, Billy, on our Bible in a Year thing. Billy and I are doing the That's same right. one here. And it's t- it gets hard at times, you know. You got other things going on in your life. It starts to be a grind. So you got to keep on plugging, keep running that race, and we're going to do it. But appreciate you being here on this Friday. Junior, as always, get yourself on over to CBNNews.com and Faithwire dot com for more news from a christian perspective lord willing in that creek don't rise we'll be back here tomorrow see you then